Thank you all for listening to the Josh Terry Podcast brought to you by Raising Grace Studios. Want to give a big shout out to all of our sponsors. Derm, dude, go hit them up for all your beard, body, and tattoo needs. Par Hopper Golf Apparel. Uh, knife a month underscore shop. Chris Nobles at Nobles Networking. Grid Iron Coffee. Uh, also, the guys uh, and gals over at Red Circle who distribute the show for us, our management company. We very much appreciate y'all putting a little change in my pocket and all the corporate sponsors that aired before, after, and during the show. You'll check out the newest exclusive deal that we got with Drizzly, the alcohol oh, delivery yeah, company. So uh, make sure y'all give them a download and, and everything. So as y'all know, I always like to find folks on social media that um, I think have a very interesting story. Uh, the guy I'm going to introduce y'all to, uh, y'all are going to get to see, y'all get to see it firsthand. Mr. Uh, Mr. Tyler Bone, how you doing, brother? Good, man. Thank, thanks for having me, dude. Am I saying your last name right? I, I want to make sure I'm saying it's, it right. It's it's a pretty southern last name. It's uh, it's it's Boone. Boone. So you, it, so you but it's B O O N E. Like uh, like like you know Daniel Boone or okay. uh, Boone, North Carolina. Yep. B O O N E. Yep. Okay. When I saw it, I knew it could, I knew it couldn't be Boney. I but for a second I was like, well, may, maybe it is, maybe it's not. I didn't know. I didn't know. I was, I was just gonna take a shot at it. Bonnie or Booney or what? I used to be, I used to be called Booney a lot, or you know, Booner or whatever. But what yeah, was but, what was funny when I saw your Instagram and I saw that it was Tyler uh, uh, Boner. I thought it was Tyler Boner the first time I saw it, <laughs> and I was like, okay, this guy's got a good sense of humor. Well, it's it's because Tyler Boone's taken. You know, okay. <laughs> so, so it's just Tyler Booner. But yeah. like when I did track and soccer and stuff in high school, everyone would call me a boner, you know, just a boner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so where are you originally from? I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. Okay, cool. Not far off from me. I love that area. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that's where we, uh, that's where we make the, uh, um, uh, the, uh, the Boone's bourbon. And then we're about to come out with uh with a beer down there with holy city because they called charleston the holy city because all the church steeples you know um but uh yeah i'm from charleston but i used to live in nashville too so that's cool i bet uh, i looked at like our mutual friends and everything earlier we got a bunch of them i don't know yeah well I, the, it's a small it's small over there man if you're in the music you know everyone kind of knows everybody yeah uh one of my friends i don't know how close you know her but her name's De- uh dominique hutchinson uh i don't yeah, know dude me and- we used to work at 12th and Porter together in Nashville. She was my, she was the assistant manager. And I was like the, the bar runner or bar back or whatever. Yeah, That's crazy. She told me to tell you, Hey, <laughs> Oh man. She got mad at me one time over something I did, you know, just, it's just F and B, you know? And, uh, and then like, you know, food and bed stuff. And then she was like, I'm sorry. I'm having a day. <laughs> like, it's cool, man. It's cool. Don't, that was years ago. Yeah. Don't feel bad. Dominique has cussed every one of us out at some point in time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but she was she was doing she was doing the Broadway thing, doing like cover gigs and uh, obviously the artist thing too. But she was always out on Broadway doing her doing shows. She she's one of those. Uh, I absolutely adore her, but uh, I think that's her wheelhouse. I mean, I, I love her as an artist too, but she is just one of the best people I've ever seen on stage as far as entertaining a crowd, pumping them up. Just she's back in. I'm pretty sure she's like almost permanently in Panama City now. That's where I see her at when yeah. I go now. She moved. Yeah. I think, well, you know, I mean, the thing about it, man, in Charleston, you can also, a lot of people move there too as a musician. Uh, 
because you could do uh, pretty well. I mean, you got to hustle, but I call it the Peter Pan syndrome. You know, it's like you're having too good of a time because all you're doing is cover gigs when you're not on the road, you know? Yeah. And so uh, you can make it. I mean, that's what I did. I did that for like three years, dude. And I, and I was doing like a thousand bucks a week doing this. No boss. But the issue was, is you're having too good of a time. You're drinking too much. You're hanging out too much because you don't technically have a boss. And so you, you know what I mean? And then, yeah. then you, you sleep in the next day and then you're not working out. And so that's why uh, eventually I left a second time and moved to LA. But at first time I moved to Nashville because I was like, well, you know, I mean, my opinion of that stuff, it's, it's freaking awesome. I'm not disparaging it. Um, and it's a great way to make a living when you're not touring, doing like the artist thing. But, um, you know, it just, I, I like the Peter Pantage and like I was saying, like eventually you can just, I think you can get caught up in it. You know, your goal is to be an artist and all you're doing now is doing uh, the cover gig stuff and you're not being healthy. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I was just like drinking too much. My face was big. You know what I mean? So I mean, look anyway, at mine. Just- no, you're, you're fine. I know exactly what you mean. Look at fucking mine. Mine's horrible. My face is bigger than the rest of my body. Um, no, I, I get it. I'm, I'm so glad that I have no musical talent whatsoever because that's I would get caught up in it. There's no way I would not get caught up in it, dude. Uh, I, I, sit, I sit there and watch my friends all the time. That Most of mine are – my friends are more on the artist side of it. Now, I've got a couple that still uh, do house gigs and stuff, but most of them are writers' rounds. Um, or emerging artists. So like they're not having to, to do the same thing um, what you're talking about, but man, I could see, I could see getting caught up in it in a heartbeat. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it's, it's cute for a minute as like a young man, you know what I mean? But if you're trying to like date, you know, eventually girls like, so what do you do? Oh, I'm playing down at a, you know, the brewery from three to six, you know what I mean? You know, or, or you can't really travel because you're uh you know, you're not, you know, if you're not home, you're not working. You yeah. know what I mean? So anyway, that's just my opinion. Of it. No, it's fine. We, so, we, yeah. we, uh, we just got back from Texas with some boys and, uh, that was half the shit we talked about while we were out there, man. It's just really? that, that lifestyle is hard. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, dude, but you, you become a better player for sure. If you got, you got to have your, you know, your pros and cons and you become a better singer. You know what I mean? Like I, I definitely got my chops up way more when I was in Nashville. I wasn't playing my guitar as much because I was doing, I had six part-time gigs. It's like 2015 when I knew Dominique. Um, and then when I moved back to Charleston, my playing got better. And I was always, I mean, I was a jazz guitar major. I could always play, but, but I, you know, I just got better because I was doing it like legit some days, nine hours a day. You would just do three gigs on a Saturday to make a ton of money. You're exhausted you know, but uh, that was a pro of it for sure. You know, I eventually came out. I was like, oh, dude, I can sing now because I was always never like the best singer, you know, so. Yeah. yeah uh, so I broke a rule about people on the podcast because of you today. I have a I have a rule with people. I never, I never, ever, if you're an artist, I don't listen to your stuff before I have you on the show if we have mutual friends because I do not mm-hmm. like to be biased. I don't. But for, for some sure. re- for some reason, I decided you know I'm going to listen to this. Guy. I brought this rule because I want to hear you know what this guy can play. Dude, you can shred. I uh, and you like oh, the, well, thanks, the, the the bluesiness and everything. Oh, dude, that's that's my shit. I love blues guitar. Yeah, I, I, I love everything like that. I uh, you know if 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 like Buddy Guy or Kenny Wayne Shepherd or something's come to town, like I'm going. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's my thing. I love that stuff. You know, I, it's like uh, there's 
there's like guitar players, but then there's like the guitar player world. And that, that, that for me is so cool. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Steve Ray Vaughan and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Absolutely. You know? How old are you? Love it. Love it. 32. Okay. So you're younger. You're not, you're not too much younger. I'm 34. That is, you, you got a baby face and I mean that and go, I, I look like I've aged horribly. I have fucking not been good to myself. Um, <laughs> so I see you and it's like, this is a kid, but then you're not, you're not. So it, it makes sense. That, well, dude, dude, it makes a little more sense it's with the so music. Good. It's so good for dating. I'll tell you what, like, uh, I, I, I shaved today, man. That's why I look, you know, I had a beard, like, well, you know, a, a scraggly thing, but living in California too, like, it, you know, my family's from here too. So I always came here, but just when I moved out here, my bass player, actually, he's in a band called Big Yen, but um, he lives in San Diego with his girlfriend. But he said the same thing when he moved out here like six months ago. He's like, man, everyone here looks really good. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I just, I just like run all the time, and, you know, eat salads, and, you know, I, I miss happiness. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, there's no way. <laughs> I, I, I literally, this is, that's funny. This is so funny. You say that before I picked up my daughter from school today, I went to the doctor. Uh, because, uh, like, uh, I'm a big boy. I, I like to eat. So I've been trying to get my appetite under control the past several months, losing weight, working on all that kind of stuff. I go, I go in the doctor and they do the same thing at this weight loss clinic that I've been going to. And they asked me, they check last month's weight, all this stuff, your, like your waistline and all this kind of shit. And they're like, you lost 14 pounds from last month to this month. They put me on new medicine. And, uh, wow. yeah, well, I just, I had been on the road. Uh, for a whole week last month in Texas, and I didn't do nothing but drink whiskey and talk shit to women. That's all I did. I don't. I don't even know if I. I, I didn't eat. I, I. I think I ate one steak and a couple tacos while I was there. I, I didn't. I, I didn't. That was that was completely it. And um, I just I haven't. I've been working a lot lately, and so my appetite when I'm working is like slim jims and whiskey. Uh, that's literally it. It's a horrible diet. But they put me on new medicine that kind of is, you know, jacked me up a little bit, too. And um, the woman was like asking me something. And uh, she said, Mr. Terry, she said, if you keep going like this, if you'll quit drinking, you're going to be 200 pounds and you're going to be so happy. And I was like, look, I'm not ever going to be 200 pounds in because I'm not quit drinking and having a good time anytime soon. <laughs> so, well, if it, you know, every, everything's in, 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 in good proportions, you know, like, dude, I love the, the party, too. You know what yeah. I mean? I love like a Friday, like, dude, where you at? And then like six JMOs. You know what I mean? I mean, what are you drinking there? Is that is that whiskey? It is. It's uh it's good old Eagle Rare. Um Eagle Rare and Buffalo oh, wow. Trace is uh usually what I drink now. I don't got spoiled. Um, I know it's not com- like top shelf, top shelf, but um that's still I- pretty good stuff. It is. Um I I made the mistake a long time ago of uh I started off drinking Jim Bean because I'm from Georgia. Jim Bean and Coke was always like my go-to, and my buddies sure. in my buddies in Nashville started taking me to nice places. And when I go to those nice places, they wouldn't let me order Jim Bean and Coke anymore. They were like, "No, you, <laughs> like you're you can't drink that. Yeah, you're you're not fucking trash. We're not. You. I've got nothing against anybody who wants to drink Jim Bean and Coke. I don't. But yeah, but in, in a nice whiskey bar, they're like, yeah. please don't order the Jim Bean. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, like let's introduce you to some new stuff. Let's do it. And um, and then I found out. The more you drink better stuff, the, the you don't feel as bad the next day. There's there's a totally. whole lot of upsides to drinking better choices in alcohol. It's not just the taste. And yep. Uh, yep. Now, now I'm spoiled. Now where I never thought that I would pay X amount of money for a certain bottle of alcohol, 
now I'll pay $60 for a fifth of alcohol. It just makes more, it makes more sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, well, the thing about it too, man, is like, if, if I'm sure we were going to talk about bourbon whiskey anyway, Yeah, is uh, when you go down that road of that stuff, uh, like Eagle Rare, Buffalo Trace, like that's bourbon too, you know, Jim Beam, yeah. I mean, Jim Beam makes Knob Creek and that's bourbon, but uh, you know, Jim Beam is just straight whiskey mash. You know what I mean? And so the, the bourbon's a little nicer. You know what I mean? It's just it's just better stuff. The Jim Beam is just mass produced. I mean, it's owned by uh, Jim Beam's owned by a company in Japan now. You know what I mean? It's I just didn't know that. Big machine. Oh yeah, I mean, dude, the the bourbon business is insane. Well, the whiskey or the the spirit industry is insane. But uh, you know, a lot of these guys are owned by the same thing, or the or the big guys come in, they buy you out, which I wouldn't be if uh, you know, I'd be like, yeah, sure, do it, <laughs> but is uh they'll do it to get you out of the game you know what i mean it's very political dude uh what was the one i was in louisville we sponsor loud and life every year with metallica in louisville and then I, i'm gonna actually be playing burn beyond it which is more like the triple a rock format since you're a radio guy you know what i mean like food yeah. fighters and but but loud and life is like active rock but when i was there last september when they were doing it which was cool because it was like the first thing that danny Ware presents put on since covid um uh, uh, Heaven Hill was having a strike, you know what I mean? And so like Heaven Hill owns like a ton of brands, like a ton of brands. And so because Heaven Hill was on strike because they weren't paying their workers a lot, uh, you couldn't find half those bottles. And people are like, why can't I find this bottle? I'm like, oh, because Heaven Hill owns it. You know what I mean? Most people just don't know that. A lot, they, a lot of times they come and they'll buy a whole portfolio. You know what I mean? And so uh, it's just a very interesting business, dude. You know what I mean? So, I mean, Jim Beam owns Knob Creek. That's just Jim Beam product. But people go, I love Knob Creek. And you're like, well, it's Jim Beam. They're like, what the hell are you talking about? You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, you just do your research. It's pretty crazy, dude. You know? Yeah. So, I anyway. Didn't, no, I didn't, I didn't know. I did not know that Jim uh, Beam now is owned by a company out of Japan. I had, that makes me not want to buy well, it. Yeah. I hopefully don't buy it again anyway. <laughs> I mean, they, they still make it in the United yeah. States. Just some company in Japan owns it. But doesn't that kind of take a little bit of the flair away from it, though? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, doesn't it? I mean, it kind of just is like, fuck you now. Like, I would, I want, I want, I want your bourbon now instead, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would rather, I'd rather, I don't know. There's something about that to me. Well, you know, the thing about, uh, about music and bourbon, which is always cool, is if you're a music fan or a bourbon fan, you know, you're always looking for the next cool thing. Yeah. And so it's actually kind of cool to have a, a bourbon brand because then people are like, wait, what's this? You know, especially if the label looks good. If you have like a really bad looking label, it makes look like a piece of junk. Like there's one out there now. Uh, they source from MGP. Have you heard of what MGP is? I don't. So MGP is out of Indiana. It's on the border of Kentucky. But MGP is a mass producing plant that makes most of the products you see out there. Obviously, you go where Buffalo Trace, but uh, most of the products like Tito's as yeah. an example, Ta Texas vodka, it's not made in Texas anymore. It's made in Indiana. They can't keep up with it. And so they, now they, now they source it and then, you know, whatever, it's still a great product. Right. And so there's one, uh, by MGP and we know we're actually MGP, but we're about to raise capital. I hope to God in the next month or two has been taken over a year. Um, so we can start barrel programs so I can come to you, but Hey dude, this is our new six year, you know, whatever, right? Because all we do now is we source it and then we fast age. And I can tell you how that works too. It's a, a lot of brands do the same thing. We don't have a lot of money to do it. But there's one out there where they source from MGP and it's just a picture of like a Grateful Dead school bus. And it just looks like crap and the bottle looks cheap. And so I, I mean, when I go out with my reps, they're like, oh yeah, here's that Grateful Dead bottle. And I'm like, does it ever move? They go, no, it's been sitting on the shelf for three months. Because it looks like junk. If you walk in, you got to have like that old Texas Western 
looking bottle. It looks like a man whiskey and dudes are like, hell yeah, I'll buy that. You know yeah. I mean? So yeah, that's psychological. Thing. Yeah. That's I'll go and tell you if a bottle looks cool, I'll take a chance on it. If it's got at a least cool, look at it. Yeah. I'm going to look at it. It's going to catch my eye, but if it's got shitty graphics or it's got something that just doesn't, the name isn't something that catches me off. Or like, I, I don't, I don't, I'll never try it. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, so that, that's just my thing about branding. You know, it's a pain, be, like being an artist. If you got a bad cover, it makes you look cheap, you know? So. Yeah. What, uh, so how did you actually get into, uh, what, what made you want to get into it or whatever with the bourbons? Uh, 2015, when I actually met Dominique, funny enough, this is when I got into it. I had, a, I moved to Nashville because I had a deal with uh, Kenny Chesney's people, um, as a management thing. Right. And so, uh, if you remember back 2015 at that time, which is like seven years ago, which is crazy. Yeah. I say that, uh, <laughs> um, is, uh, they, uh, well, everything in Nashville was for Georgia line, pop country, four chords, whole bunch of guitars. You know what I mean? And so that was what you did. And so the deal, I mean, what was his name? Sam, Sam, something, Sam hunt, I think was being managed by Clint. And then, uh, they just picked up old dominion, like stuff like that. J Jason, yeah. something he did, like basically his stuff sounded like Kenny Chesney was like beach country, Jason, something, um, J or Jake, something. I don't remember. Anyway, Jake Owens. the deal, yeah. not Jago, not, not Jago. Jago, yeah, I like that you know, I like that you having a hard time remembering their name too. <laughs> <laughs> That's freaking awesome. Yeah, my, my roommate in Nashville that, was always, he was that was his world, and he was like. Like, you know, because I, I was that wasn't my world, and so I'd be having no. these meetings. And I was just like, I, for me, dude, just saying that's not really my vibe. You know what I mean? Like pop, yeah. pop, pop, broke country. And so oh. eventually, I turned down the deal, and that's when my, my roommate was like, "How could you do that?" I was like, "Man, I feel like those deals are kiss of death." And and this is like the full circle of it is uh, if you watch that Sonic Highways documentary on HBO, Foo Fighters, it came out around that time too, and I love the Nashville episode because. They would talk about, it was like Dan Arbot, Black Keys, and Carrie Underwood. They're talking about the Music Road deal where they get you, and then you get a publishing deal. You don't, you might get a like a lyric in there, but some dude or girl's going to write the record for you, and then and then they get a record deal because they go to radio because you need literally thousand dollars to go to radio, and then you got number one, <clears throat> and then you're a product, right? But if you do get picked up and it doesn't happen, then you're you're like xed out. No one will touch you again, right? And so that was the deal, and they're like, yeah, you're going to do like pop country. And I was like, dude, I can't even sing like that, you know, with like a whole draw and twang. And so eventually I was like, I'm not going to do it. But because of that management deal, I was meeting with like everybody, like CAA to William Morris. Like they never even heard my music. They just knew that, hey, you have this management deal. You're going to have a lot of stuff going on. And so this other guy, which actually was my friend's dad, he kind of caught wind of it. And he was like, and he was really nice. And he was like, hey, man, like you should start a spirit with your name on it. I'll fund it. And then let's go. And like, you figure it out. That's the deal. Well, I, I mean, dude, I was living off credit cards, six part-time. I was driving all across Tennessee. I was going to Linville, which is like an hour and a half South. They make, it's called 10 South. They make a lot of the, the moonshine on Broadway for Tootsies and stuff. Like they do a lot of stuff. It sells me with all these people and I didn't have the money. And eventually that guy just was like, I don't have the money. And so I was like, shit, I think I can do this. And so eventually years later, I moved down to Charleston where I'm back where I was from. Uh, cover gig in it again, saving up. And then my dad was semi-retired and I was like, dad, you, you just kind of like looking like hell. He was, he was just sitting on the couch and I was like, dude, like you should do this with me. Don't be just golfing and stuff. And so now it's a cool father something cause he matched my money and we lost, it was only like a simple run. It was in 2018. 
it was like 223 cases, a lot of money for us. It was 10 grand that we both like, we're like, all right, let's try and do it, you know? And so, and it was after me, like of years of like getting the label made and like government approval, it was crazy. Um, we launched it in Charleston. And then for me, Torin, dude, um, <clears throat> I guess now it's going to be four years in May. We're in 27, 28 states. That's cool. And now we want, we, we want like top six world in Forbes. Uh, and those things are all crazy too, because you just submit to them and you might get one, you know? And then all of a sudden the, you know, we got, we got platinum in LA, we got double gold, New York twice, gold, Las Vegas, silver, Denver, the, the top season world Forbes thing. And the dudes that always hate on you online. I mean, the internet is such a toxic place, right? They're like, Oh, boom, barb, another songwriter. I'm like, dude, this isn't like a, like a, like a, you know, a sponsor deal. Like I, it was our money. Like we are trying to figure this out. It's, it's a real small business. And then when you get an award, they're like, Oh yeah, that's cool. You're like, dude, <laughs> you know? So now it's, but now it's becoming a real thing, man. And so next month or two, we're going to finally open up. It's a whole, I mean, I'm not a finance guy, dude. I was a musician. Well, I had to bring this guy Kaiser to be your head of finance and that's his world. And he set up all this uh, FCC government regulation crap. I don't know what the hell it means, but uh, we're going to be able to open up to investors. So like, cause my whole music career funds the, the brand mainly. And uh, it's, it's a lot, man, because like you, we sponsor things or marketing and, you launch it to a new market. They're like, how many marketing dollars you got? And I'm like, all right, here's my credit card. You know, it's tough, you know? So, um, but like right, right now, dude, we're doing a big thing with Lighting 100 in Nashville. We're like the main sponsor, Boone's Bourbon. So, but you got to do that stuff. If not, people don't buy it, you know? So that's now cool. it's a whole thing, but it started, it started off as a local thing and now it's a thing. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you when we get done with this, I, I'll make a deal with you. You send us a couple cases until we pick up, a, uh, until Buffalo Trace gives me a big ass check one day. We'll make a we'll make Boone's Bourbon an official sponsor of the show. Oh, dude, that'd be cool, man. Yeah. I mean, like if if it th these are the kind of things yeah. I love to do, like podcasts and stuff, because yeah. especially after COVID, people love them. And then if you're yeah. like, hey, check this out, we're gonna get yeah. some fans. We did that with the one out here called a, the Positive Report. They were tied with Shinedown guys because uh, I used to work with those guys too for a long time. And uh, all of a sudden, all these shine down fans are like, "Oh, all of Boone's Bourbon." Yeah. <laughs> so, well, no, yeah. I just I'm just, I'm a weird person, dude. Like, I don't believe in like coincidences in anything anymore. Like, I just I don't. Sure. Um, like today, you actually uh, this episode's gonna come out later today. But what it was supposed, oh, wow. to, yeah, I don't edit my stuff. Like, I'm a I like the stuff that I do with people. The reason why folks have really gravitated towards our show is it's very raw. It's uncensored. It's it's just two people having a conversation. I've always said that I want my show to be like, we're sitting on a tailgate, having a beer or sitting at a bar. Like, I just wanted to be like, folks are just having a conversation about life, whatever happens, whatever comes up or whatever. We just had to do a complete name change because the show was originally called politics, religion, and whiskey, the Josh Terry podcast. But I named sure. it for the stuff that I got fired for talking about on radio. And you would have to explain this to everybody when they saw politics, religion, and whiskey. And everybody that's an artist or whatever that I didn't have a personal relationship with, first thing they would say is, I don't want to talk about politics. I don't want to talk about religion. And it's, no, sure. we don't have to. It's not about that. It's just the name of the show. So now it's just the Josh Terry podcast. Sure. But today was actually supposed to be my like my big brother in here who's a songwriter in Nashville that was driving through, but he got delayed and couldn't. So you actually are probably going to be our millionth downloaded episode with our management company. Oh, wow, that's amazing. So this one, this one will get a lot of traffic today. And um, so you never know what happens out of Boone's Bourbon. Our, our, yeah. So it, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, the, the cool thing about it, man, is 
uh, once we raise this capital, we'll have an account to do cool shit like that, yeah. like like legit stuff. You know what I mean? So definitely keep in contact about it because yeah. uh, we're not raising money because we're running out of cash. We're raising it so we can scale it. Oh, um, absolutely. So, I, yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't understand like even with me having a studio like for something like you're doing something like i'm doing like you literally until you get to a certain age in life and you are your own business you are your own brand you really don't understand that to make money you have to spend money like you you have to keep you have to keep growing i used to think that that was a stupid ass thing that people would say but unless you are constantly reinvesting in yourself and growing and doing whatever somebody else is doing in your same field, you're never going to succeed. For sure. Absolutely. 110%, dude. No, you have to. When, when an artist goes, well, I should just on their merit of their tune, I should be huge. I'm like, no, nah, dude. Like you need to invest in yourself as a brand. You're the CEO of your own company. Yep. Every right? time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Every time somebody says exactly what you just say, I tell them to go to Nashville and I tell them to walk up and down Broadway and I tell them just to yeah. listen to the people that are playing during the afternoon shift on Broadway. Yeah. And you listen to how talented those folks are. They're the be- they're they're the they're the best at what they do in their hometown, but when you get to Nashville and you realize that they are mediocre at best compared to somebody yeah. else. It yeah. is it it is ridiculous. Like like, you have to keep you have to keep pushing if you're going to be the best at what you want to do. You have to keep reinvesting yeah, in absolutely. yourself. Yeah, you yeah, you know, you can never be uh as an example, all my homies back in Charleston, you know, it's not it's not that big of a town, but it's a really cool music scene, you yeah. know. And a lot a lot of big bands have come out of there. But like if you a lot of them they'll sell out like the local rock club. I'm like, well, I'm a rock star now. I might do yeah, it's yeah. a huge, huge fucking world. <laughs> oh, can I cuss on here? My bad. <laughs> oh, no. C- can you cuss on here? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Sorry. No. For, for, for the record, for the record, this is a family-friendly show, but it just depends on the family. So you can say whatever the hell you <laughs> You can say whatever the hell you want to. I don't care. I say some fucked up shit on here. That's funny, dude. Well, yeah, well, you know, I, I you got to always keep, you know, you got you to gotta, like keep practicing, keep writing songs, keep putting stuff out, you know? I mean, as an artist, I have a, I have a tough time. Like, hey, man, I got to write a new song, but, you know, because you can't keep writing on the, your songs that came out years ago. You know what I mean? So um, but you, got, you just got to keep reinvesting yourself. Like, dude, we're about to do a big show here at the Troubadour, the, the famous rock club, but I'm putting it on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, and me and this other part are Nolan, but like, and all these people are like, can I get on it? Can I get on it? And I'm like, dude, you know how much money we put up front? Like, you don't sell any tickets. <laughs> like, you can't come near this show. Like, it's just like when you start thinking of a business mindset, too. And, you're, you know, it's just it just that stuff just blows my mind, man. You know? Well, it's so, the Troubadour. Uh, I mean, it's the there's so much history at the Troubadour. I'm from Georgia, but I I mean, I love music. Anyway, so, I, so I know what the Troubadour is. But to, for those of y'all who don't know what the Troubadour is, just go look it up and see who's played there and the history that surrounds it. I mean, uh, there's there's tons of documentaries. Elton yeah. John, that movie, he's up there playing. You know, I mean, it's it's uh, and then they, they you know they during COVID, it almost lost, but all these celebrities came together, and you know they didn't want to lose it. But uh, but anyway, I'm just saying, I, I put on events all the time. Uh, like we did a show here at the Hotel Cafe. I had an artist uh, that like took advantage of like the time slot, and I was like, dude, like I, I've spent all this money promoting it. I asked you to open up. And like, now you're like, Hey man, like I'm going to play over your set. I'm like, dude, we'll never work with each other again. You know what I mean? Like there's just a, 
it just when you when you're the one investing and doing the business side and someone takes advantage of it i'm just like man we're done you know what i mean so and that's not a bad thing it's good to say no so uh yes it is uh that's why i'm glad i'm an asshole because i've 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 learned like you have to i understand everybody thinks that they have to take their shot and like everybody thinks that like they have to seize their moment but when you seize sure. your moment and it screws somebody else, especially if they gave you a chance, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'm the type that will probably snatch your ass off stage. Like, I, I probably am. Like, I think that's why my friends like me. I, I think that's why. That's I think that's why. I just – I respect – Respect's a good respect, yeah. man. Yeah, I just respect – I've seen – I've said it time and time again. That, that's why I love the struggling musician. I love the, I, I love the artist because it's, there's something special about guys like y'all. And I'm not saying you're struggling or anything now, but I love the guys that have put in the time that have paid their dues that have, that really actually paid the cost. I I've had, I've got friends that have blew up on social media because of a, uh, because of social media, they were talented before social media gave them a platform. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as you have the talent to back it up. But I've seen people that do not deserve to blow their ass up and be called themselves a musician off of social media. And that shit pisses me off to my core because I've seen guys and I've seen women. Let's just say even Dominique. I think Dominique is amazing at what she does. There is no telling, telling how many hours that woman has played for folks and is not any bigger than she is on social media. And it's kind of sad. Not for her, but it's sad that you have people that are blowing up and can't sing for shit, can't write for shit, can't play for shit on social media. And they have these huge followings, but you got somebody that actually has real talent and they've, they've hit a wall and they can't get past it. I, I just, I, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's social media is a fake place too. You know, it's yeah. like uh, <clears throat> people are now the way they interact with, there's people out there that they, let's, let's say that then. People that blow up on social media that you think, which I, I'm the same way when I see it too, they have perfected the art of how to do that on social media. You know what I mean? To look like they're bigger than anything else. You know how many times I've seen also people that are that person X, you know, at a bar or something and they look miserable, but the whole time they're on their phone by themselves. Oh, yeah. That's what they're, you know what I mean? But you see them like, man, you look, you look pretty sad. <laughs> you know? Oh, it is so, sad. Like, that's an art too. You know, so you got, you got to take a break from it, man. Like I, when I go on a date or hang out with someone, my phone is always upside down and I never look at it because I think that's like the rudest thing in the world. I went on a date like a couple weeks ago and uh, I did it on purpose and the girl even noticed it. She was like, why is your phone upside down? I was like, oh, cause we're hanging out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if I look at Instagram for a second, that's just rude. You know? so, Thank you. Whatever. You are, you get it. I'm the same way, dude. Uh, my phone never stops. My phone literally never stops going off. Uh, it's either somebody, yeah. it's either somebody sending me a demo because I, th- they see the name of the, my studio, me actually owning the studio. They don't realize like we're getting into producing music, but we're not there yet. Um, and they know that with the podcast, how many people listen to it. They see yeah. like the, the TikTok following, which is fucking stupid that I shouldn't have. Uh, they, they see like the, the artists that are on the show, like that they, they see all sure. this shit, shit and they see like some of my friends that I'm around and they're like, please, can you pass this along? Uh, or can you do this? So my phone never stops going off. And so when yeah. I'm around people that I actually want to be around, I've been known several times, put that shit on airplane mode. 
Um, we just yeah. on just on Saturday night, we had several of my buddies in here. We were writing and just bullshitting, playing around. And uh, we got drunk and decided we didn't want to write no more. So uh, there's some other folks here. We turned on George Jones, uh, his greatest hits, and we mixed it with Keith Whitley's greatest hits. And we turned the radio up as loud as it could go. And everybody just had their phone sitting in the middle of the table. Nobody paid attention to the shit. All right. And it was great. Nice. It's so free, dude. Like, it's just so free to not pay attention to it. And just there's too many people that let social media be a reflection of them instead of their social media being a reflection of them. All right. I might have said it backwards, sure. but yeah, like it. We're not supposed I to. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I get tired of that shit, dude. It gets, it gets, it's too much yeah, for well, me. It's I too mean, much. My, my, uh, uh, my bass player, James Frolio, he, he says this all the time. He's like, Let's get that dopamine hit and like put you know, as a joke and like, you know, start stacking going through. Because I mean, like, it's exciting when you put something out and, you know, you get a response to it, but, you know, and then it goes away. It's like a drug, dude, you know? And so, but, but social media is also at the same time a beautiful tool. It's, I mean, it's yeah. how we you and I connected, you know what I mean? But, but you have to just learn how to take a break from it yeah. and, and just, you know, I mean, COVID had everyone like this. COVID was bad for relationships, COVID was a whole freaking thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it, I can see a lot of people still obsessive, but you know, they call it social currency, man. People yeah. like, you know, with, with my other company, RS Foreman, we have a thing on verified programs that goes out and like interacts with people and watches stories and stuff. And, and it makes your Instagram get a lot of impressions to kind of hopefully blow up. Right. And so like people all day, that's why my phone goes off. Cause you know, people just give out my number and like, Oh, you're that guy. Let me, uh, you know what I mean? And so then like, that's also a, a problem because, you got this huge social platform. Everyone's hitting you up, and you're like, oh, you know, it, it could be, it could be a lot, man. It could be pretty depressing sometimes. You know? Did you, did you live in California during uh, COVID? Oh, dude, I was. <laughs> I moved here, and four months later, COVID hit, and I, oh, and I was living God. in Hollywood. Oh, and I was living in Hollywood, dude, and I was living in Hollywood. So the the the, the riots came down our street. It, there were six helicopters. There was fireworks going off. That was crazy. I don't know if you heard about that. And it's kind of fun to talk about. There was a big conspiracy theory going on and it was legit happening. If you looked on like Twitter and Reddit and just the internet, there were fireworks being blown up every day. It's California. You can't get fireworks. You know what I mean? I mean, people get them, but they're illegal, right? Every day they're getting dropped off in like, you know, kind of poor areas. And then some people just pick them up and start lighting them. Well, dude, during the riots, during like all the tension that was going on when COVID just hit, Every day around four or five o'clock, fireworks start going off, and then all of a sudden, it didn't end for like two months. And so dogs are barking. You're not, you do none of us were sleeping, and so all of us were aggravated. And then the riots hit. And if you looked at New York, Chicago, L.A., all the big cities, everyone was talking about, "Where the hell are these fireworks coming from?" I don't know if you ever heard of that, but it I, did, I didn't. I never. I never heard of it. And it was crazy. It was crazy because we're all like, "Where are these fire?" And all, dude, I'm, and then July Fourth hit. And they, if you Google that too, they go, this is the most uh, smog LA has seen in like a hundred years. All of a sudden, I mean, it was beautiful. We hiked up, to, up the Hollywood Hills and saw the fireworks, but, but fireworks are illegal in California and everybody had fireworks. It was, and everyone's like going like, they're taking pictures. They're like getting dropped off in like chicken wire. It, it was, it was wild, dude. I don't know if you heard of that, but that's, I was living in Hollywood then. And it was, uh, it was one of the most stressful times of my life. And so I moved down to uh, San Pedro near long beach which is like I, I live like one block from the water um and it's like no one knows where san peter is you know it, it's super clean over here i am moving in a month to mid-city but so i can be close to my friends but 
uh, I dipped down over here, but my whole family's from San Diego. So I, I mean, I've been to California a whole bunch. Has it got back to normal there yet? Uh, it's, yeah, I think the, I think the mask mandate came off. I think LA County, you still have to do it, but dude, I was in a coffee shop earlier today. No one's wearing one. Everyone's yeah. so over it. I mean, yeah. so yeah, I, I feel like it's over. I mean, now Ukraine's going on, which is so sad, it, but yeah. obviously when, when the next news thing shifts, people are like, oh, okay. Well, when this is funny, man, when it was like, uh, six months ago or something, maybe longer, they're like, if you don't wear a mask, you're getting arrested. Right. And then the LA sheriff, whatever was like, I'm not enforcing that. <laughs> And so then everybody were like, oh, who cares? You know? See, that's funny so, to hear yeah. from you because you didn't hear that because that's how, I guess, the media, of course, they're going to say what they want to say in the media. But, well, like, you would hear that there were people, like, neighbors calling uh, law enforcement on other neighbors for having people over uh, for seeing, yeah, like, parties and stuff like that and everything. But, it, like, over here, I'm on completely different coast than you. I'm just like, is that yeah. really happening? Because, you know, it was happening, dude. It was, dude. I so you heard of Jam in the Van? Uh uh-uh. uh So Jam in the Van's a huge music platform. Just YouTube it. They have they they get bands to record on their recording studio bus. You know, it's like a tour van that's like all hippie and it's really cool. And then so what they did during COVID is they made a comedy venue in uh, West LA. No, no, East. No, West LA. Yeah, West LA. Off Pico Boulevard. They've now since moved. And so the Boone's Bourbon. I was just kind of sitting. I mean, dude, you couldn't do anything. Like, we, me and my friend Sean would just meet up and just drink at our apartment. Like, dude, we can't go out. Like, it was really sad time. And so I hit up Jam in the Van. I was like, hey, can I sponsor you guys? Like, I know you guys are doing these secret comedy shows. And so, dude, it was like Bill Burr, Sarah Silverman. Uh, I mean, I, I can keep going, dude. That's uh, Michael Rappaport. That's cool. It was, it, and it was like 200 people, but it was like they wouldn't announce the location, right? And so everybody in LA is like, let's go. And so you walked in, uh, there's a Boone's bourbon barrel on stage. They got all these cool photos of like all these like badass comedians on there. And, uh, anyway, uh, you'd walk in, they give you a whole bunch of weed <laughs> and then it's California. And then you sit down, there's a cooler in between your lawn chairs. It's it was an outdoor venue cause it was COVID friendly for whatever. Right. And, uh, and there's the cooler is full of like, a whole bunch of funky stuff, like spiked kombucha and coconut water. And then a whole bunch of Boone's bourbon minis. Right. And so what I'm getting at though is eventually somebody, because dude, it became like this, it, the, every show would sell out. The, the owners since I was sponsoring, like, hey, you want tickets every Friday, we got you. And so like, it was dope for me to be like, hey, you guys wanna go do this? All my friends like, yes, please. But what happened once was like, this is like during the height of COVID, somebody called them out. And this was like off the beaten path too. It was someone that obviously, it's always someone that knows you that wants to screw you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so uh, dude, a SWAT team showed up. Like it was like 12 of them. And then they, they came out stage and they're like, Can, please put your mask on and walk outside. And we all walked outside and there was like SWAT out there and the owners like screaming. I'm like, how freaking dare you? We're not breaking the rules. And they got shut down. They lost their liquor license for like a couple of weeks. So obviously I was upset because like I got to sponsor you. So I mean, everything got worked out. But uh, but then here's another thing. Then we had a big sold out show in June uh, last year at Jam the Van, like 200 cap, you know, tickets were expensive, but it's because it was because everything was included, weed and drinks and stuff. And dude, we sold out in like a couple of weeks because everyone was like, this is the first time I've seen live music in 15 months. That's and crazy. so it was really cool. It was it was interesting to be in California and all that. So those are like some of my COVID wars music stories, you know. Those are like the only good stories I've heard about California uh, during COVID. And the fact, I just want you to know, I've never, there's only been one reason I've ever wanted to go. And that was just to go to the comedy club. I'm a, I, I'm like nice. a, I'm a huge, 
like a history buff when it comes to that kind of stuff. And uh, the comedy club for somebody like me who just is obsessed with the history of comedy and the guys that have performed there. That's the only reason why I've ever been like, I want to go to, uh, I want to go out there. And when you just so said, when you just said that, when you, store. the comedy store, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. And um, whenever you said that, when you got to whatever the name of that place was with the van and everything, it was that they gave you weed as you walked in the door and everything else. I'm sitting there going, well, maybe this place doesn't suck that bad. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe California isn't it what exactly what I think it is because it sounds like it's uh, that sounds okay. You're just thinking of, I mean, I get it though. You're just thinking of my best friend lives in Charlotte. He's always, he always sends me the hilarious videos on Instagram where it's like a whole bunch of crazy homeless people making forts and, you know, cause you can do that right in California. You can live on the street. If your car breaks down, you can legit live there. It's a law. Like they don't have yeah. to move you, you know? And so that, that's the crap, you know what I mean? But there's the dude, it's a huge fucking state. So like there's, there's tons of cool yeah. stuff. You're just seeing the, yeah. crap where it makes it look like you're all nuts you know what i mean but here's the one thing too man the the ports right here and so you've seen all that stuff on on the news we're like the ports are all screwed up the one that's always on the news is one right here i live like five seconds from it and the the crazy thing of it is <clears throat> governor newsom which is nuts he's like if you don't have a california truck you can't pick up the cargo and so if i go to my rooftop i can see hundreds of boats just waiting their turn to come in and drop off their stuff so there is some dumb bullshit. So, uh, so I don't know what you're talking about because I thought you were talking about the stuff with the train cars to start off with. What are you talking about? I'm talking about like the ports where the, the big cargo ships come in from like China or whatever the hell. Yeah. Like all everyone can't get their stuff because the San Pedro Long Beach port's like the third biggest port in the country. I think New Orleans is number one and San Francisco is number two, and this is number three. It's massive, dude. Like it takes you 10 minutes to drive through it. Like there's there's a whole bridge and you just drive through it and you see nothing but containers mm -hmm. it, it blows your mind first time you see it uh there if you go to the very top and if it's not a smoggy day of my rooftop up here you could just literally see tons of boats just sitting there waiting their turn to come in because they can't come in because it's too it's too piled up and the governor's like if these aren't california trucks you can't pick up our stuff and, and people in south carolina are like i'll come pick that up you know what i mean it's it's nuts and it, i have no idea why that's the rule or the law but that's what they're doing, and it's messing everything up. So oh, it's crazy. Shit. I mean, so it's crazy. There is some bullshit like that. There is some bullshit like that. So, but then you go to Jam in the Van, you get weed and, and liquor. So, <laughs> it, okay. See, it it just depends. <laughs> it just depends. Cause I, uh, like, I didn't, um, I deal with some mental health issues, like from back in the day. Like, I, I'm a survivor of suicide and stuff like that from like 12 years ago. And um, I never, like, growing up, I always thought like weed was the devil. Like, like weed's bad. Don't do weed. Like, none of the stuff. And in the past, uh, probably two, three years, um, I've really like dove into what like it does for you if you battle depression, if you battle anxiety and, and stuff like this, as long as you don't abuse yeah. anything. And, uh, so, like, in my mind, it's like, if there, there's a reason why all these motherfuckers out there are happy. It's probably a reason why they're all crazy, too. A bunch of them. So, it's like, okay, yeah. I kind of like that. I like that they are just here. Let's just all be happy and laugh. Well, you know, dude, uh, I mean, I, I did a mental health podcast, like, a couple weeks ago. It's called Men of Now Podcast because I, I was, like, in a crazy abusive relationship. And it was California, too. So, like, she was trying to get lawyers on me she got caught stealing like thousands of dollars from me and got caught lying. Oh, so it all went away yeah but as a man i was getting totally taken advantage of and usually people don't listen to men right and they so do not like sir thank you 
Thank you. Yeah. And my and my mom did a big. She teaches yoga. She did a big yoga benefit during October for domestic violence. It was a huge deal in Charleston, and she did it for me. And the money didn't go to me; it went to like a nonprofit, obviously. But but the reason she did it was because she just wanted to do something. And people were like, "Was this your daughter?" And she's like, "No, it was my son." And people were like, "What?" You know what I mean? Like, because you never hear those stories, dude. So I thank you for you know what I mean. And so yeah. that podcast I did, we talked about it. And uh, anyway, there's such benefits to weed, is what I'm saying for depression. Oh, That's absolutely. What I was gonna say. I've, I've gone through shit like that. And my buddies, Cody and Chris, Cody Callum and Chris Snyder, they live, they're, they're, they used to live in California, but they're from South where I'm from. They moved back there and they're starting Zetro Farms and it's a CBD farm, but obviously they're ready to grow weed. And they are now passing, they just passed like some law, which is huge for South Carolina. It's the South, man. You know what I mean? for like legal cannabis, but not, but there's like a couple other ones that they get a pass, but they just passed last week. And they're both veterans. It's like, they're, it's like a whole awesome look like Marine veterans passing this bill. Um, because uh, Cody and Chris were like, dude, like we would go to the, to the VA or whatever and get pills. And then, you know, I've had friends commit suicide too from the military coming out. You know what I mean? It's a yeah. horrible story. Actually, Zitra was backwards for RT. It's our friend who killed himself. And so um, they're pushing for weed. Cause they were like, dude, I, so when I started smoking weed, I got off the opiates and now I'm like, good. You know what I mean? It's like, there's such a huge benefit to it. it there's it, no reason it's legal. Perfect. That was, that was a perfect segue. You have no idea what you just did. Um, yeah. so, so everybody, you don't know this yet, but Tyler just did us a solid. So Saturday, um, everybody knows that we work with foundations that do mental health things with veterans mission 22 we just had the four ward project on here a couple of weeks ago fight with war with them we've had them from savannah in here um but saturday this week we're doing an episode with uh mission 22 two pilots distillery and seven veterans that they're going to bring that all are going to talk about mental health issues and the things that they experience with the va and how the va is kind of letting them down right now so what you're talking about right there with you know, that's going to be a lot of the things that I push with them is, you know, don't don't abuse it. But if you're not already doing yeah. some for, uh, form of cannabis, please do quit taking the opioids. Yeah. Even even the CBD stuff, you know, or if that's a way to kind of get you into something that's not a pill. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I don't I don't like the CBD stuff. I tried it. Uh, what had happened was I don't know if you're a nerd. I'm a nerd. So like I like Marvel. Oh, I like Marvel. I like I'm a, I'm big into that kind of stuff. So. I tried the CBD gummies, like the Delta 8 gummies or whatever it is, and uh, I ate, I think it was either 50 or 75 milligrams of them, and I had eight gummies before, like regular gummies that were like the milligrams were 50 or whatever, and I was fine, completely fine. I literally thought that Thanos had like snapped his fingers, and I had a glitch going on. I didn't like, I kept. I kept twitch, not like really twitching, but I didn't understand why everything was taking so damn long. And I had never, ever experienced that shit before. And it was on a Delta eight gummy. I, I won't eat those gummies anymore. I'll eat all natural, but it was one, a Delta eight CBD gummy. And what you just kind of like, things were slow. you like your, your auto it, response was. Yeah, it was, up. it was very like, de- everything was very delayed. Like and I've never, wow. never, never well, been like that before it was weird everyone everyone's body makeup's different dude oh yeah you know you're, I mean? you're like, right you're right shit, shit shit just i mean like i can smoke a, i used to wake up in college and hit a bong you know yeah. but now now i just do a little bit and if, actually i enjoy the drops that's my thing now i do a little tincture yeah i go to sleep and 
I wake up fully rested. You know what I mean? That's, that's my use. I'm a, I'm scared of what like is next because I've never, ever, when I say that I was always scared of drugs, always the only thing I have ever done in my life, I don't look like it. Only thing I've ever really done in my life was smoke a little bit of weed or take a, an edible or something like that. But I'm a huge Joe Rogan guy. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge, he, he's helped when I worked in radio, like he, there was just such a motivating factor for me to be me realizing the reason why they hired me in the first place was because of me. I needed to be me. This all kind of stuff. Like he's just a, a very positive person in my life. And, uh, absolutely him talking about the stuff that micro dosing does has got me to where in the past, I think this was in November or December, one of my musician buddies from Nashville talked me into micro dosing for the first time. And, uh, what mushrooms? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, mushrooms are great. Yeah. Fucking fell in love. I I fell in love. I laughed myself stupid. That was it. Like it was just a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you take a lunch, yeah, you will trip. Yeah. If you take, if you take just, just a little bit, Dude, you're like, wow, you know, and then, and then you're not hung over, you're laughing. Uh, you know, it's, I think it's great too, actually. I like it a lot. Yeah. To be honest I, with you. I, 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 I told my parents during Christmas, I was like, hey, I, I do mushrooms sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, how were they? I'm like, they were great. Yeah. I would have <laughs> never thought. So I honestly thought they wasn't working because I was just happy. That's all it was. Like, yeah. I didn't feel high. I didn't feel weird. I didn't, I, yeah. I was just happy. I was just chill. And uh, until we were leaving one place, going to another, I wasn't driving. And uh, there was a lot of road work, like a lot of construction work. And there was these orange neon cones on both sides. And all there was, all there was, was just like the cones kind of like ran together to where there was like a little bit of a lag. Not much to where you like you were tripping or anything like that, but it was just a lag in it. And it was just that bright neon. And I was just like, Okay, is there something to do? I get it. <laughs> like, like, and I was like, okay, they are working. It's just they're working at the amount where I'm not messed up. Like, I, I yeah, know yeah. I know that there's something going on now. Like, it was almost where it, ha- it had to trick my brain. Like, it had to, like, I had to see it. Otherwise, I would have just been happy. I would have just been a happy, <laughs> a happy person, dude. Uh, that's my brain. I mean, you're. You're making me think of so many stories. That's making me laugh because yeah. it's like you know, with you with with you with good buddies, you know, you just like you just start laughing. You go, dude, what the hell is going? On? Exactly. No, that's <laughs> it. Was funny is that's what happened that night with the four of us. There was me and three other songwriters from Nashville, and we was all at this place, and we was just all just talking shit to each other. But it was just <laughs> like it was just us just having fun. Like it was nothing really crazy going on. It was just having a couple beers, bullshit, and grilling. I just said chill night with with a bunch of us. And we talked the most random, funny shit to where we like, like, I think one of the things that we were talking about is if the Sandlot would have been made now that everybody would have had to be a girl. Like it wouldn't have been the Sandlot, but not like in a bad way. Cause uh, one of the, you, you wouldn't, you would, you're going to think this is funny. One of the, like my demographic for this show is literally 80% women. 20% 20% men. Men don't like me for the most part. I don't know why men, if you're a man and you listen to the show, you love me. If you don't listen to the show, men, most men don't like me. Women love me. But uh, huh. but this is the big one. The alphabet community, 
loves my fat ass. I'm talking I'm, about the the LBGTQ community or whatever oh, it is. They oh, wow. fucking adore me. But <laughs> one of the one of the best shows I've had was with a guy that um he's uh he's in um, he's civil service I guess is what he said he's marrying someone who's transitioning and um completely different I'm not a uh, conservative I'm middle of the aisle I used to be conservative but I kind of lost faith in a lot of shit in the past several years so I'm middle of the aisle with everything now um I'm, I'm pretty much the same. I'm yeah down I, the middle too yeah I'm down I think us being raised in the south we kind of got taught something growing up yeah, yeah, you, kind of, yeah. you kind of see that it's not it's I mean, not actually that what we're, we're 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 the same age man like yeah. south now this time in our that now we have our own opinions and yeah. so like i'm you know there's some things you know entrepreneur wise right right but then left like you know we should take you know i'm with you on yeah, yeah so that's cool you mentioned that so but anyway, we, continue, continue i'm sorry some guys yes resistant marry yeah. somebody so i have this guy on my show and one of the jokes that i always tell and I think I just, I'm a nerd, like I said, right? So whenever I see someone who's transitioning, I always call them a transformer and I always call them Optimus Fine, like Optimus <laughs> Prime. And this guy had never heard me tell that joke before. And if oh, I'm, I've got enough balls about me that if I'm going to say something on social media, I'm going to say it to someone because I, I believe I love comedy, right? So I don't believe that a comic has ever said anything out of malice if they said it on stage like they said it as a joke they wanted to be took as a joke I, if i joke with you you can joke with me like i, I want to be able to play back and forth roast each other if me and you become good friends you can pick on my fat ass as much as you want to as long as i can pick on you that's the way that a friendship <laughs> is right like i roast my best friends i talk more shit to the people that i love in this world more than i talk to the people i hate like I, I will make my, I will make my best friends like feel like this fucking tall. So of course I'm going to do that to every like the people that I love. And uh, that's all. Awesome. After I got done with that show, I had so many emails and te- or so many messages on social media or whatever. And it was like we already liked you because you you know you you kind of act real and everything. But the way that you listen to this man and you took his opinions in then you kind of validated our feelings about you because you obviously you can stand by your beliefs, but also you can respect somebody else's. And I, and I love, I love how you can be very different around me and I don't give a shit and you can just have fun and play. I don't know how the hell we got yeah. on that subject. Do well, you know? No, we, we were, talk, we were talking about, um, uh, talking about depression and then it led to just uh, a bunch of other cool. Yeah. So that's, that's how we got. We snowball on this well, show thought, a lot, dude. Yeah, but you know, but I, I do the same thing too, man. Whenever I do an interview, I'm like, oh, I get excited, then I go, what was my point? <laughs> I, I know one. I know one of the things I got. I know one of the things I have to ask you is you got to uh, you got to talk to Rob, right? Oh, Rob Durdeck. Yeah, that was very cool. That was how did, super how cool. Did, and he, uh, how did you end up setting that up? Um, so he has a thing called the dirt. So I've been trying for a long time to raise money for my bourbon company because I funded all personally. And then like, dude, I got sick like six times last year because I would work literally 14 hours a day from home, like just put internet, my other company, artist formula. And then like, dude, working with artists is the worst. You know what I mean? Because like they'll pay for a service and if it doesn't come in in time, they're like, oh, you know, like, I had, you know whatever. It's just, 
it's a lot of stress, dude. Musicians can be the worst, you know? And then, but the, the beauty of my other company is when, when we find complete some, everyone's like, oh my God, that was incredible, you know? So, but whatever, I'm just saying, uh, I've been trying to raise money because I'm so tired of funding it because I just don't have a life sometimes. I just work too much. So uh, I hit up Durdeck because I was like, hey man, he has this platform to raise capital. And so uh, you just submit like, hey, can we talk? And his producer reached out and like, dude, you're like the coolest kid we've met because you're like an artist. You got this, this uh, management kind of label services, music company. You're up yourself. You've done a lot. Your bird brand is huge. A lot of people try to go to a guy like Dirt Eck and they're like, I got an idea. Let me pitch you the idea. He's like, no, you're coming to us. This thing's already like well-developed. And Dirt Eck has, he has a whiskey. It's called Black Feather, Black Leather, something whiskey. And it's not that big. You know what I mean? And so like, we're kind of like, you know, and it's a whiskey, we're a bourbon too, but whatever. But uh, I just hit him up and then he's like, yeah, let's do an interview. And his producer, Kyle Kramer, he lives in Brooklyn because Dirtek's out here in LA and Beverly Hills. Uh, he was like, hey, that was the coolest interview we had because y'all just kind of hung out. Because most of the time people go, hey, I'm like, look, I want to pitch my thing to you. And uh, even at the end of it, and we've, we've kept in contact too. I'm like, hey, we're about to do this capital raise. Like, hey man, let me know. You know, he's just a really sweet dude um, because he kind of like reminds me of like dudes like you and me, like he was an athlete that somehow, you know, obviously he worked his ass off, but he got into all these different things and now he's worth like a half a billion dollars. Yeah. Know? It's kind of like a Joe Rogan thing, you know? Yeah. And so uh, uh, doing the, uh, the interview was really cool because we just shot the shit and he's just like, Hey, this is what I did. And you're trying to raise capital. As you think about this. And I was like, Hey man, like, what do you think of that? And he was just a cool dude. And the, but he's like, Hey, but I only invest in new things, but you know, let me know when you do the the raise on that. Cause I think what you're doing is cool because dude, the thing with our raise too, is we're doing this like crowdsourcing thing on start engine. It's a little different. Most time you go to guys like Durdeck to like buy a whole bunch in for a multiple, whatever. So uh, it was cool, man. I, uh, I, that was a really cool moment and I was really proud of it. So thanks for asking. That was neat. No, that's cool. When I, when I saw, um, when I saw, when I started going through your Instagram and I saw that and I was just like, cause there's something that's always appealed to me, like about him or always been appealing about him to me. Uh, yeah. Cause he is different. Like he's not, I don't think he's fake. There's a lot of people that when I see them on like on television or whatever, it's just like, I don't get there. I don't, I don't get it. Like I, I just don't get them. There's something yeah. about him, even though I don't think that me and him could probably be more the polar opposites. Like he's a, 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 he seems like a California kid skateboarder and all this kind of stuff. If my fat ass got on a skateboard right now, I wouldn't have ankles in 20 seconds. Like they're gone. I'd look like fucking cotton heel by the time it was all said and done. Like I, 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 I know what it would be. But there's something sure. about him. He really, when you want to say that somebody is self-made, he makes me, when I look at him, I think he's self-made. I really think that he has put in the hours. I think he's busted his ass to get where he's at. He sold he sold Ridiculousness, that TV show he's got. It's one of the biggest, uh, he, he even talked about too, like as in views mm -hmm. and, and, and syndicates, you know what I mean? Uh, it's one of the biggest shows actually ever now. And he sold it for like, I mean, he created it and sold it for like millions of dollars. Like, and he was like, that was a big deal. But obviously he was all, if you remember, man, growing up, dude, he was, you know, the Dirt Deck Dream Factory and Robin Big. Like he was just so in. You should, you should look at his interviews on like, uh, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's not 60 Minutes, but one of those TV, you know, news shows where, you know, he talks about all of that. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I was like, dude, I was, and he, he even told me this in the interview too. Uh, same thing. He's like, you know, when, I love business. I was like, I love talking about business too. We, you and I were talking yeah. about business right now. Yeah. You know, we're, 
even though we're music dudes and you radio guy, you know what I mean? But yeah. business kind of gets me going, right? Entrepreneurship. And he's like, yeah. And I told him, like, dude, same, same thing. He goes, I was the skateboard guy and, you know, skateboarding's like, we're from the street, we're tough. And I'd be hanging out with my dudes and they'd be like, uh, whatever, man. We start talking about business, like, you're not cool anymore, you know? And when I talk to my music buddies, I go, I start talking about business, like, whatever, man. And I'm like, no, dude, like, this is cool. And so he's, you know, it was cool to hear that from him. You know, so he is a self-made man. You know what I mean? That is, that is hilarious. When I was just in Texas last week, there was a girl that was around us and this girl is beautiful. She says all the right things, does all the right things. You, I could look at her all damn day and smile all day. But when she started talking about business to me is when I was just like, oh, I'm in love. I, I could she could <laughs> she could have sang every song that she sings. But when she actually wanted to sit there and she wanted to talk about business, I think that would, for folks like us, that there's just something to that. Like, it's not that we're just that business oriented. It's we're so passionate about what we do. It's always on our, on our mind. Even when we're not working, we're working. I can take a break Absolutely. actually having my phone in my hand or sitting at my computer or creating content or whatever I'm doing, but I'm never not working. I'm, ne I'm never yeah. not working in my head. So when you actually have someone or you're around, like talking to you right now, man, uh, the reason it sucks, yeah. it sucks living where I'm at in Georgia. And I, I have a daughter here, so I, I'm not leaving until she's 18 or until like something happens sure. to where I can move away that I feel comfortable because she's the biggest part of my life. And, uh, Absolutely. but like when you go to Nashville or you go to these other places, you have to be around creative people to think the way you do. Otherwise, you just get stat like you get stifled and it just it sucks. So when you are yeah. around and you talk to people like that, man, it just it actually like kind of puts more gas on the fire, I guess, is what I'm saying. It's just the best shit. Uh, well, I mean, well, you don't you want people, Josh, to like hear you are and you want them to pull you up? Because I feel like for you, you have all these artists hitting you up. You know, they want you to pull them up. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. You want, you want, you want someone to, to do that for you. And so like when I'm going to Nashville this week, I'm hanging out with my buddy Luke Pierce, Ben Haley, and um, uh, Donnie Reese, Arliss Albertson. These are all like business music men. You know what I mean? And it's like a benefit that they're putting on. And I'm literally flying in to support it because, hey, I love those guys. But, like, these are dudes that are, like, movers and shakers, right? But when I used to live in Nashville, you know, I just go down to, you know, I go down to freaking losers and winners and just get messed up. You know yeah. what I mean? And then, yeah. and then hey, and then I, remember, I remember one time, dude, and it still burns in my skull. As I read Door, and that was my, that's my favorite bar in Midtown. Hey, oh, boy. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> hey, oh, hold on a second. I'm, I'm going to show you something. I'm Hold on, I got, I've got to show you this. I got to show you this because you're the, you, you'll know what it is. Hold on. All right, so I'm gonna fuck up all angles of camera in here now. But hold on, let me turn this. I got to take Mike with me too. So where my studio is, I wanted to bring a piece of Nashville with me, but I didn't know how. So at my studio, I took all the lighting in here, and oh wow! So everything in here is all red. Looks like red door. It looks like Red Door because I love Red Door. <laughs> is that a, is that a bar table right there? Yeah, like everything. Irish bar table. Yeah, like oh, every, it looks like Red Door. So everything in my studio, like as far as lighting, people come in here and they're like, "Why the fuck is it red? Like, why do you That's want so everything cool. in here red?" And I'm like, "Look, I wanted it. It to looks be like Budweiser. Yeah, I don't." <laughs> 
I don't want people to think they're in Cochrane, Georgia, when they walk in here. I want you to think that you're somewhere else. I want you to think that you got teleported. Uh, like I don't really cool. Yeah. Like I want it to be, I want it to be different. So those red lights when you when walk you know, in Red Door, man, are just you know where you're at when you're there. I love, I mean, they, what is it? The the potato salad, you know, it's like this huge thing you get. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I mean, that I used to live on 16th. I used to call it Harry Potter's Closet. Okay. Uh first first apartment's piece of crap on 16th so i would just walk down to red door you know but but i'm trying to say is on red door or any losers or winners you meet a songwriter and like i feel like in, in la and nashville i call it the nashville handshake where people like shake their shake hey what's up dude but they're looking around to see who's cooler in the room you know yeah <laughs> some you know what i mean like, hey what's up dude oh cool cool you know but if you're the only guy that what's up we'll, we'll talk for 10 minutes until my friend gets here you know and so this one guy did that and i was just like it's a rude question, but also breaks the ice. You know, I, it shouldn't matter, but sometimes you just do it. And you're like, hey, so what do you do? You know, and a lot of people, they that's a cool thing. But at a party, I think it could be kind of rude sometimes. But I was like, hey, uh, what do you do, man? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm really into, and I was kind of drunk. And I, my buddy said something. I said something back, too. Uh, my buddy Ryan Sanchez, he was a badass studio in uh, Nashville. Uh, the guy's like, you know, I'm just I'm really into writing melodies. And I was like, songs? <laughs> like, <laughs> shut up. You know what I mean? Like, you're not that cool, you know? But that's the whole vibe of all that stuff. So it's cool to go to Nashville now and have all these businessmen that I, we we do, we do own festivals together and projects. And, like, you know, so those are the guys I like to, you know, massage and keep those relationships going, not just going to, you know, Red Door and talking about melodies. Well, well I've got I've got spoiled probably about like you. Uh, when I first started going, uh, I would wanted to go where the tourists went. And then because of my yep. friends, they were like, we're not ever – going to Broadway again. And, uh, yeah, I, I, only time I go there is I've got a real, real good friend who's an up and coming artist and he'll eventually, he won't be playing at the place he's playing now. He's still in his twenties, but he's the headliner every Friday and Saturday night at AJ's Alan Jackson's bar. Um, oh, Alan, nice. yeah, I mean, he, but he's, I think he's 27. We just went to Fort Worth for his birthday. Uh, but his cool. name's Blaine Bunning. He's amazing. He's young. Uh, he's from Georgia. Dude's fucking – he sounds like Tracy Lawrence and Keith Whitley had a baby to me. Like, he's, he's just got oh, that – he's got this old, old shit to him. Um, but that's cool. the only reason – he's the only reason why any of us go to Broadway is just to hear him. And he's doing his thing where he's paying his dues, but he still plays Riders Rounds yep. and everything else. But um, – Yep. And then, I, and then I love going to Losers, Winners, Red Door. But it's done got to where it's so over – overran now – to where I've started going, as crazy as it is, we I like going to, to music to Music City, um, and I like going to scoreboards, and I like going to uh, Nashville Palace over in Opryland or whatever it is, because you can. Oh, it's cool. it's all it's old traditional music, and I like the old traditional stuff. But the thing that I also like too is like I'm a big Jason Isbell guy, um, and I like and I like that kind of stuff. I like that atmosphere. And it's like a, that's like. Outlaw Americana. Yeah, yeah, that stuff like Tyler Childers stuff like that, like that that kind of vibe. That's that stuff. And Sturgill. Oh, Sturgill, best the best concert I ever saw in my life, and I have seen a lot, just probably like you have as well. I got the to rock. I got to see Sturgill Simpson and Tyler Childers the week before COVID shut everything down, and that was that tour, dude. Yeah, to come to LA, the car, the car. Yep. And yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Oh. Sturgill Simpson playing lead and doing lead vocals. 
is the most amazing thing I have ever seen in my life. I've got, I've still got videos on my phone. The only thing I could ever compare it to watching him do it was what my daddy had to see when he saw Elvis. Like, and of course, it's, of course it's not Elvis. I mean, I don't think anybody, I'm not comparing him to fucking Elvis, but the, just but the moment. Yeah. Just the moment of seeing Sergio Simpson do that. Sergio, dude, I've never well, in my dude, life I, seen anything like it. I went to Bonnaroo 2016. He, he just did like the, you know, the guitar, bass, B3 mm-hmm. drums, you know? And uh, I was like, oh man, he just fired little Joe, which I used to manage driving and crying for a couple of years. And so little Joe joined that band. So I had the stories of like that whole story little time. Um, but uh, when he came out, I was like, he just fired little Joe, man. They just did that big SNL performance. And that, he was that slide player from Estonia. I was like, you can't play. And all of a sudden he gets on stage and it was so, it was kind of like Elvis moment, all whitewash, no, uh, no special lights, you know? And I was like, man, he's going really rock and roll with this shit. And he was main stage. And he just goes, he has a, a shirt saying who the hell is Sturgill or something. I've got, or what the it's f- who the fuck is Sturgill. I've got it. <laughs> and he just goes, he's like, you can hear him going ding, 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 ding. And it's, it's thousands of people, dude. Yeah. And I was like, what is he doing? And by the way, this is the first time I took acid too. So I was kind of like really in the moment. But he was just like, ding, 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 ding. And he just goes, my fucking midlife crisis is fucking dope. And then he just hit his guitar and everyone goes, Oh, and I was like, this guy's a rock star. It like literally changed. I was like, that you can do that shit. Like you can be country but psychedelic at the same time. You know, he was cool. Yeah, was all, so cool. All my friends, nobody understood that whole country lyrics on techno rock with the Japanese fucking artwork to it or whatever. None of my friends did. Yeah, and, I, and I'm sitting and I'm sitting there and I'm obsessed. I'm talking about. Yeah, cool. I am obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Joe, the Joe Rogan interviews are great. They're talking, oh, talking about yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, it's different. You know what I mean? dude. Yeah, you just love it. Stur- Sturgill to me is a once in a lifetime guy. Well, he he produced Tyler Childers too, so I'm, I think that's why they did that that tour yeah. together, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, when when he fired Little Joe after the Grammys, he joined the band. You know, Driving and Crying. They're from Atlanta. Yeah, you're you talking Driving and Crying. Uh, yeah, the, I'm going straight to hell, just like my mama said. Is that them? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So okay. I, yep. So I used to manage them for two, three years, 2017, 2019 or something. Uh, we're still buddies. I talked to Tim Nielsen, the bass player, uh, the other day. He lives in Charleston. That's where I met him. But uh, when little Joey joined the band, I legit lost my shit because I met them. I met him in Atlanta when he joined the band, and I, like, couldn't keep it cool. <laughs> I was like, Sturgill. And the bass player Tim's like, lock it up. Lock it up, man. <laughs> You're being a little too, you know, fangirl right now. But anyway, I love I love that music too, man. Uh, uh, you know, that's all Dave Cobb, you know, that producer in Nashville. He, you know, he kind of touches everything, turns gold. So Jason, it's Chris, it's Chris Stapleton, all that stuff, you know. So yeah, uh, and you know, those are good. There's a great interviews with Jason Isbell. Uh, I don't think it's 60 minutes, but it looks like it's just two. It's like older man and him. He does a lot of that guy does a lot of good interviews. And Isbell's got a good mindset of the music business too. He's like, you know, when I start my own label, I started realizing how much more money I was getting, you know. It, it is bill's different um i i get a lot of people that uh that knock him that i'm friends with but it's just they don't like the really? art to it they, they just don't like the art to it they don't like the poetry they don't like the the message that he's trying to send i have almost hit people in the face i shit you not when they say that morgan wallen's version of cover me up is better than jason's version of cover me i have almost fought people in this studio it's, it's mostly wow. women. I would never put my hands on a woman in my life. 
I would never. But if another bitch tells me in this world <laughs> that Morgan Wallen's version of Cover Me Up is better than Jason Isbell, we're going to throw hands. Well, I mean, dude, it's just like um, Will Hogue, uh, even it breaks your heart. You to, did not uh, just say like, his yeah. name. You did. Oh, my God. You're the first well, well, person. You're the first person on this show in 200-something episodes of mentioned Will Hogue. Yeah, Will Hogue is my fucking I, I, guy. I used to be you – know, I'll show you something real quick. It takes two seconds. Go, go get whatever the fuck you're going to get. When I met one of my best buds in Nashville, he was managing Will Hogue, and then I, I used to go oh, do all those tour dates. Dude, that's so fucking badass. So my mom – my mom – because my buddy Sean, like he lives here in L.A., uh, but we were both living in Nashville at the same time. And, uh, I hit him up. I was like, yo, dude, I sell tickets in these areas. Like you want to be the opener? So I used to do a lot of shows at will. So, uh, yeah. So even it breaks your heart, but who, who cut it? It was Eli Young band. Yeah. And the people were always like, I love that Eli Young song. And I'm like, have you heard the original version? <laughs> you know what I mean? I was, hey, man, but that's the songwriting world. You're going to let yeah. someone cut your track. You know? Oh man, I don't blame it. I had to. Uh, it wasn't long ago. We, there was a songwriters retreat and, uh, my studio kind of got tied into it cause it wasn't far from here. And we ended up doing a show one night at the studio and, uh, you had mentioned it earlier. You're not, you don't like the poppy stuff. I don't, I'm not a big fan of it. And, uh, I like the, I like the outlaw stuff or I like the real stuff like we're sitting here talking about now. And I had to yep. have a very good friend of mine tell me, I ended up not releasing the episode. It's the only episode out of the whole time I did not release. I had people sitting wow. at my table that had pub, pub deals um, that all wanted their songs to sell. And I have to realize that there are publicists and other people that listen to this show because of some of their artists being associated with it, right? So I sat there and I said on there that I would never, I can't, I wouldn't want Kane Brown to sing one of my songs or something like that. I had said something. And I didn't realize how stupid that was at the time. I really didn't because if it can get one of my buddies on, if it can get them to where their platform gets bigger, if they can grow or whatever, of course they, of course he should. I mean, he is, even if I don't like it, that doesn't mean there's not millions of people to do to eat, to each their oh, own. Sure. And I've had a bad taste in my mouth about, I think it's just what has got me for the longest time is we're sitting here talking about Will Hogue it, or, or Isabel. Will Hogue's song, When She Gets Her Wings, I, is one of my all-time favorite songs. And the fact Man, that – go ahead. No, same. No, 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 same, same. I, I was looking up another songwriter with the same deal. Yeah. Go, go, go ahead, go ahead. But the fact that that song has got yeah, – I know that the reason – I only reason I know who he is is because of that song, and I saw it on CMT, I think, one time ever. And – the fact that that song didn't get attention, but you'll get a stupid-ass song, a poppy bro country song everywhere. It doesn't make For sense sure. to me. That, it, that, that, that's where I get aggravated with folks. I have to understand there is a, there's a business side to it. But also, too, I'm more about the legacy side of music. I'm more about the statement you leave behind. I'm more about oh, yeah. in 20 years from now, are they going to be listening to that song or not? There's still songs yeah. to this day. There's a song by George Jones I had never heard until Saturday. The fact that I cannot, this fact that I'm still finding songs from artists that I thought I knew every one of their songs, that's legacy yeah. to me. And, th and I think that's yeah. what I'm more in love with than just the, the modern poppy shit. 
Well, I mean, you and I grew up in times where people bought albums still. Yeah. yeah I mean, you still people still buy vinyl, but I mean, I remember riding my bike to Walmart and, and buying CDs and stuffing yep. in my cargo shorts yep. going home. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and then I would sit there. Remember those like eight disc CD changers you had? Yeah. You know, like with the big Yeah. <laughs> and I would just sit in my room and just listen to Blink-182 and look at the album art all day. Like, you know, that, that, I think that's, that's what, you know, you know, yeah. Blink-182, baby, all Take day. Take off your <laughs> pants and jacket. Are you <laughs> shitting me? That, yeah. I had every, yeah. I had everything Blink, dude. Uh, I, I, dude, we played Firefly in 2016 in Dover, Delaware. Uh, no, and of course, you know, I'm gonna do my name was on that flyer twice, and so I looked like a rock star. I was living in Nashville at the time, but yeah, I didn't have an agent, I have a manager, and so I lied and said all these people that came with me were my crew, just my friends, and they just wanted like weekend passes. And when they, they give you like these like outdoor AC unit green rooms, you know, your name's on like you, it's pretty rock star treatment what you get, right? It's cool. And Mark Hoppus, they just started Blue Two tour with uh, the guy from Alkaline Trio, Matt Skiba, right? And uh blue Gutierrez has been back in forever and mark and their, their green room is right next to King, uh, uh mumford and sons and kings of leon it's like this huge thing but we're all in the same area so you could walk right by it and mark hoff was just like walked out with like a solo cup and i just like saw him and he goes sup i was, I was just like i like threw it in my mouth i was like <laughs> and he was, and he was just like all right man and i was like fuck <laughs> Like I could have said something, but I couldn't, man. It, no. it was cool. I was like, "Holy shit, those Mark Hoppus!" I've only had one. I've only had one of those moments so far. I've only had one of those moments. Uh, I'm a big Ashley McBride guy. Uh, I just love everything. Oh, wow. Big Ashley McBride guy, and uh, my 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 buddy Lee Tucker is like my big brother. He got me into a wasn't really a private thing, but you had to know to be there or whatever. Uh, to where her and Dylan Carmichael and some more people that were really fixing explode on country radio playing a riders round at live Oak on the Mumbrian. And, um, oh, wow. this was like it last year in, in, um, last year in February, it was the first time my show had been in the top 100 on Apple as far as podcasts wow. go. And, wow. and it was very weird. It was very surreal because, uh, one of our other friends that we met that night that my brother knew Kristen Kelly, uh, she had a, her album was number 13 at the time. Um, she had just released it. So she was celebrating. It was a say something worth saying night at live Oak and they, she had brought special guests on. So Ashley McBride was there and, um, Ashley McBride and me end up fucked up. I was fucked up. She wasn't, uh, and me and her talking and I end up and I end up telling her like, I got fired from country radio because of this. I got fired for playing this type of stuff. I got tired of, or I got fired for standing up for this kind of stuff that I believed in. And uh, yep. me, me and her are talking for a few minutes or whatever. And I just remember like thinking back at it and just like drooling. And like, cause I just, I look up to this woman's art so much. Like it, yeah. it's just the fact yeah. that I think she is such a badass. And it's just like, I know that she had to look at me like you fucking idiot. Like, you're, no, you're, no, you're I, an idiot. It, it, for me, listening to that story, it reminds. Well, first, number one, it reminds why you got into it, mm-hmm. right? And then number absolutely. two, radio, radio dudes and, and girls are the biggest fans of music oh, because absolutely. you choose, you choose this career where it's also tough. My best friend, speaking of mental health, best friend killed himself a couple years ago. He was the best. Uh, he was the biggest DJ in Charleston. His name was Box Covered Tattoos. He got voted best DJ every year in the paper and stuff. But he was like a sad dude because radio is tough life. Yeah. Getting up at 5 a.m., doing the show until 
and then go do a radio spot and then hey man i got a show tonight and then go get fucked up and do it again like you know his mind was blown and, it sucks but he dude. loved the music so much he couldn't do anything else yeah you know what I mean? as i'm just saying like so you saying that you should probably you know i mean dude like we all get drunk and talk but if, if, a, if a DJ came up to me and said that, I'd be like, holy shit, thank, thank you. You know what I mean? So I, that's actually a beautiful story, man. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Uh, we was talking about Jason Isbell a while ago. The last song that was kind of like the last straw for me. Uh, have you ever heard the song that he wrote for his wife's band, The High Women, called uh, If She Ever Leaves Me? Maybe. Okay. Probably so not. so this song, The High Women, Brandy Carlisle is the lead singer of the band. His wife's in the band. Amanda's in the band. And uh, the song, if you look up the video for it on YouTube where he introduces the song the first time they play it, it, he literally says, this is the first openly gay country song. And it is, yeah, so I don't mind playing that type of shit because when you listen to this song, it is beautiful. Like one of the lines in it is, she doesn't like cologne, she likes perfume. And, oh yeah, I know this song. Yeah, it's very subtle. Like it's it's not like in your face, but it's just the subtleties of it is beautiful. And uh, I got yeah. cussed the fuck out on country radio for it, for for the people that I worked with, the people I worked for, everything because they were like, "Why would you play this?" And it's like, "That's fucked up." Did you hear it? Yeah. Are you? Did you hear this? And as much as I like Luke Bryan, I'm a Georgia boy. I love Luke Bryan. I don't like a lot of his new stuff. Every once in a while, he hits you with a banger, but he ain't what he yep. was when he came out with. And I understand why. I, I get it. It's ticket sales. It's everything else now. He's a, he's a different atmosphere. Yeah, now. he's a yeah. different atmosphere. But when he came out, he was a Georgia boy, and he's as good as it gets as far as a Georgia boy, right? But sure. you're, you're going to play his bullshit, but you're not going to yeah. play this. Yeah, totally. You're going to play one margarita, two margarita, three margarita, four, but you're not going to play the subtleties and the beautifulness of the song. You were still in, in radio at the time and you played that on your show, show. Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Wow. I decided, that. yeah. Well, see, I decided, I, I, I decided the reason they hired me in country radio, they found me on social media because of my social media platform that I had uh, before that. And I had a guy who's uh, who worked for Discovery Channel, our history channel, named Dave Stone. Uh, he's a very good friend of mine to this day that I love very much. Uh, he lives about two hours away from where I lived, and he invited me on his show several times. They offered me a spot on his show, which was already very big. And he was like, dude, I'll teach you everything you need to know. I was dating a girl at a time that I thought was going to be like the wife or whatever, uh, and I didn't want to move away from her also because of my daughter. Uh, I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to leave the area. Like I didn't, I just thought it wouldn't be good for me. And, uh, so a, a radio station that was very big in the state of Georgia offered me a job when I turned them down as the co-host of the, like a morning show that was huge. And I'd never had any radio experience. So, and I never interviewed for the job or nothing. They just loved what I did on social media and they loved my interview. Cause I told them like, Look, terrestrial radio is dying. You have to have a reason yeah. for people to tune in and listen. You're going to have to have some shock value. I'd already grew up being obsessed with Howard Stern anyway. Um, so, like, you have to have some shock value. But you got to do it the right way. 
Like you can't yep. curse, you can't do certain things, you can't do sexual stuff on this type of radio because you got kids, but you can do yep. certain things that are going to drive interest towards your show. And I'm good at that. That's why I'm big on social yep. media. Well, they uh they liked it long enough until they couldn't control it anymore, but I decided to remain true to me. And I would try to remain like true to my guns. So like even like one of the stories, dude, was the Confederate flag when NASCAR took it down. I'm a white Southern male from South Georgia. I don't support the Confederate flag. And, and when I said on country radio in South Georgia that a 30-something-year-old white male, look at me. I look like fucking King racist. I look yeah. like I ought to be the one with a Confederate flag tattoo, right? Yeah. When I said it, you know what happened? This is, this is where I went from being somewhat conservative to where I knew for the rest of my life I'd be middle of the road, and it's all about how an individual treats you. I got death, yeah. I got death threats, death threats? from the Sons of Confederacy in my area. They made it right now. Those, oh. guy, those guys, after the fact, those guys, after the fact, apologized, apologized. and they were very nice, and we're good now, but – People that look that just was, like uh, me threaten my life because I said I condemn. I didn't condemn. I have no reason to support it or condemn it because it means nothing to me. But I understand why a whole generation or generations of people hate it. Yeah. Well, dude, but, Will Ho came out with a song called Still a Southern Man. You heard that? Yep. 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 Yeah. Same exact. You know what I mean? That's yeah, the same message. Yeah, yeah. I don't look it up what the name was called. I, dude, I, I'm from Charleston, dude. Remember the Amy Church, the nine people? Yep. Yeah, so we, I was down right down the street and we did a song for them, you know. I mean, I'm just saying all that being from the south, even out here, man, just like to, just to briefly touch on it. Yeah. Being from the south, I have a couple whiskeys, I might say y'all, and you know, it kind of comes out and people go, Wait, are you from somewhere else? I'm like, Yeah, I'm from Charleston. And I'll be like, I'm from Charleston, you know. And like people go, Oh, they might, they just assume, you know what I mean? Just because it's just such a bad rap, you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, I just, I just hate that shit. I do too. It, we, we don't deserve it. Well, I mean, not just that. I mean, it's just, it's just uh, all that stuff, man. Just I just wish it would be fucking gone. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't know why it's still sticking around. Well, I, I have a belief in it, dude. A lot of people say that the way that, that we get past that shit is by just not talking about it anymore. I don't believe that. Yeah. I believe that the way you get past it is by putting like ourselves in uncomfortable situations to where we do talk about it. And we express to why we don't like it. Like it, I'll tell you this, and I've said it on this show several, several times. My daddy, I love him to death. I absolutely love him. And it, I've helped change his mind on certain things. But my dad has a Yosemite Sam tattoo of him holding the fucking Confederate flag. My dad wow. now knows, my dad now knows, though, looking back at certain things, why it's not okay. My it's daughter, old. my daughter, who is 10, will never see it like that. If you don't, if you don't have those uncomfortable conversations, if you don't talk about it, then you never, nothing ever changes. They're just always going to think that we're from the South, that we're yeah, from the yeah. South, but also too, you have to make light of it. That's what a lot of people don't get. We have to be able to joke. There's a lot of times I say fucked up shit, dude. There's a lot of times I play with people. I play with people yeah. that are different colors um, of different backgrounds or whatever, but what they don't, a lot of people don't understand is I want you to give it to me as hard as I give it to you. I yeah, want no, you to sure. I want you to bust my balls as hard as because that's when it's like it's true quality, it's true fairness. Is when I don't see anything other than you treating me the same way I treat you, regardless of social status sure. or whatever. 
We do get deep on this show sometimes. Sometimes we get a little weird. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, but but like you just said, it's it's nice to talk about it because you should talk about it. Yeah. It's a real issue, man. I mean, like look at look at other parts of the world. They're still fucked up. There's a great documentary. My twin brother who lives in New York. Uh, he worked on Vice, right? So it's, it's like a network, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you seen like it's called Hate My Neighbor or Love My Neighbor. It's a comedian. You ever seen that documentary? I, I haven't seen. It. I have to look it's, it up. This comedian goes around all across the whole world, not just the United States, and meets racist, sexist people. <clears throat> and he makes them, it's an amazing show because he makes them think, I'm going to be on a TV show on Vice, right? And what it is, it's not uh, to make them famous. They think they're going to get famous. But, uh, you know, at the end, he calls them out. You're a piece of shit. Like, he goes to, like, the, 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 the what is it, the, the church where they go, you know, gay people aren't good people, whatever church that's called. To, to Nazis, to racists, and they all think, like, and even the camera crew, they're all making jokes, like, wow, they really think we're going to make them look cool, because they think really? they're going to huge At the end of it, he's, the comedian guy, he's, like, Jewish, African-American guy, too, so he gets, like, some heat from these people. He goes, like, over to Ukraine, too, like, he does, he goes all over the place, and all of a sudden, he calls, like, it's at the, always at the end of the episode, and he calls him out, goes, you're a piece of shit, <laughs> and then they, they, there's always a huge blow up. And the guy's like, all right, all right. You know what I mean? And then in between the, uh, the t- he's a stand-up comedian. He, he's like doing stand-up comedy, talking about when I was doing this, you should watch it. It's a great show. I have to and, check and it, it out. Talks about all the, it talks about all those issues, man, where he's like, we should talk about it. You know what I mean? So, well, it, it, I mean, people need to learn, man. It's uh, it's something that we need to just get away from our society completely, you know? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really see it like that until uh, back in November. Well, I already kind of had like that mindset, but, I went and saw Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle in Nashville in uh in um November this they past you, year. They make you lock up your phones. Yes, the boy, it pissed me yeah. off so bad. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. Like I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I already kind of. This is this is funny. One of my buddies brought edibles, like real deal edibles, and uh, nice. we didn't know we were doing them before. Like we got in the cab because I always get way too fucked up when I go to concerts or whatever. To where I'm not. I'm not too. I'm not too messed up to have a good time or like anybody's taking care of me or whatever, but I always have blank spots because I'll drink too much or whatever. And I was like, I'm not drinking at all before this. I'm going to remember every second of this because Dave, Sh- yeah, Dave Chappelle, Richard Pryor's number one in my life, or as far as funniest person of all time, Dave Chappelle's number two. And I'm not missing a word Dave Chappelle says. And he was like, don't worry. You won't. We're going to take some edibles. It'll be fine. We walk in this place yeah. and I am Ha. I'm talking <laughs> and they take my phone and they put it in this bag and they're like you can't open this until it's over with oh. and, yeah and i was just like oh shit what is going on here <laughs> i didn't know and then like we had to uh it's, i don't i don't think i can get in trouble for this now i don't know how it is there but they had to make us all download an app when we got there like the cure oh, app or for whatever COVID. for covid, COVID. Yeah, so we had already bought fake COVID cards because I wouldn't get in the vaccine. <laughs> yeah. So, then Dude, people I, make millions off that shit. Yeah. So then I'm paranoid as it is because I because I, I don't normally get. Oh high. yeah, yeah. Like I'm gonna get cut. I'm like so I'm like I'm uploading <laughs> images of this fake vaccine card into this app, and I'm like, and you're high as balls, and I'm high as balls, and I'm like, I'm like the FBI is coming to get me right now. Like they know <laughs> that I'm fucked. And then what, dude? It got even worse before David even gets on, or I guess he had just started because he called the guy out. 
We still to this day don't know what happened. Either this guy slapped his old lady like in the front row and security caught him or he got caught with a fake card. And he was just a guy who got caught with a fake card or whatever. But this dude was lit. He got kicked out, but he was literally in the second row. And those seats had to be caught worth so much money. But he was on crutches and had a broke leg. Like, but he looked like a he looked like a complete hillbilly. Like he was and he was uh, drunk, whatever he was. If that dude, but the content that Dave did while the dude was getting kicked out, like he was asking him to stay. Like the, he was asking the police officers and stuff for the dude to stay. But the whole time, like got, got he got ki- he got kicked out. So like I'm trying to un I'm like trying to take my phone out of the bag. Like, cause I'm like, I got to record this. This is awesome. (laughs) And everybody around me is like, you can't fucking do that, dude. Like you stop. Yeah. 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 You'll be the next one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I I was about to do it, but dude, um, Miss Tyler, I'm not gonna take up much more of your time, man. I had a great time with you. I hope we can get you back on at some point in time. Uh, how about you tell them real fast before we get off here where they can find your show? Cause I would definitely want to support your show um your instagram and all that kind of stuff and where they can buy uh where they can also buy your spirit yeah man uh tylerboonmusic.com uh drinkboonsbourbon.com uh instagram tylerbooner you know just tylerboon in the whiskey the bourbon's got my last name on it but there's one called boone county we are homegrown boone's bourbon so there's boone county and we're definitely not boone's farm so <laughs> we're not that's that got to be farm. the biggest hang up with all of it. Sometimes people are like, is this part of Boone's farm? I'm like, hell no, dude. <laughs> we're not blue Hawaiian punch Boone farm, you know. Look, I'm trashy. Yeah, man, I'm trashy. I am a trashy individual, Mr. Tyler, but I ain't never drank no damn Boone's farm. But I'm gonna drink the hell out of whatever you send me. <laughs> uh you ever had Mad Dog? Did you ever drink that back in the day? I didn't on purpose. I haven't on purpose. See, I used to, I used to have a buddy. I used to have a buddy and, uh, I was, I was very broke in my early twenties and this guy, he was not. So what he used to do, he used to play a game with me. He would go into a store and he would say, look, I'm going to pick out one drink, like one double deuce or whatever, whatever it would be. And if you'll chug this, I'll get you a 12 pack, a 12 pack of whatever you want to drink the rest of the night, but you have to chug this. And him knowing my broke ass couldn't pay for nothing else, and I was going to have to watch him drink all night. I used to have to drink. Uh, so I've drank Mad Dog. <laughs> I've drank Hurricanes. I've done all yeah. kind of shit because I was broke. And so, yeah. yeah. So, yes, I have drank Mad Dog, asshole, and it hey, was not hey. good. <laughs> I love – that's a great way to end this. Dude, I, I rock and roll. I've done the same thing where, you know, hey, you drink this King Cobra. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's made me do it. Or a steel twelve yeah. reserve. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, old oh. English. I, mean, oh, I grew up on that. Now kids drink uh, white claws. You know. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Well, dude, thank thank you very much. We'll uh, we'll we'll connect individually, and I can get you some some bourbon for sure. Absolutely. All right, folks. Awesome. Well, thank y'all for listening to the Josh Terry podcast. Thank y'all for making the top one percent show in the world. Thank y'all for this being the millionth episode downloaded. And uh, That's so cool. Yeah, dude, I'm just glad you just part of Mr. Tyler. Uh, I, I do. We had a great time with you, brother. Uh, anyway, thank each and every one of y'all, and y'all have a great day. We'll catch you next time.